Father in heaven, thank you for this privilege to pray. Uh, I just ask that you would bless us with your presence, that you give wisdom and discernment in an area that I believe is a new 1040 window for Adventism. Uh, and so I just pray that you would bless us with the information necessary to be successful and to be able to make a difference in this area. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to close this. You need to just close it behind you there. Okay, how to start a viral infection. I actually need to turn this light off because you can't see that as well. Looking at principles and success stories within Adventism of people who are doing things well and resources that you can glean from that. So we're going to come back to this question towards the end of when do I get my kids involved, if I get them involved in some of these things. Uh, we'll cover that later. Um, how many people have not been to one of these seminars yet on this topic? Okay, I'll give you that. Some more information about what we're going to talk about probably tomorrow or Friday uh, about who I am partnering with, ARTV. It's a hub for Adventist programming that's short, shareable to the point. Uh, it's all internet-based, so we'll come back to that later, probably tomorrow. Okay. There you go. Mm -hmm. All right. So how do we engage in social media in a safe, responsible, and evangelistic way? What do I post? All of that. First of all, social media, what we should be doing is seeking to grow relationships and friendships by connecting with people, but not growing a love and a tolerance for the things that ensnare them, Right? finding ways, I'm sure all of us have someone in our life that there are things that they do we're not comfortable with, wouldn't be caught dead doing. But we do realize that God in His great mercy has brought that person into my life for a reason. How can I invest in them for good? Social media is no different in that sense. Uh, so here's what we need to do. First of all, do your homework. Who is it that you're trying to reach? Jamie talked about this yesterday. What's your target demographic? Who are you trying to invest in? Who are you looking for? From there, what is it that gets their gears turning, right? Just look at their social media page. What is it that they care about, that they're passionate about, and find ways to address those areas of interest uh, from a Christ-centered perspective. That's one thing. When you're posting, think about what you're saying and how people who follow you or are friends with you would respond, right? Now, we don't want to get analysis paralysis to the point that we think, oh man, like if I talk about, if I mention Jesus, are they going to get, get offended? Like we, we need to be who we are, right? But you can contextualize what you say and just think about it. Are you just going to get on, on the internet and complain about women's ordination stuff when you have a bunch of non-Aventist followers? That makes no sense. Let alone the fact you shouldn't be complaining about that stuff on social media anyway. Get over it, whatever your position is on that topic. we got souls to win. All right. Um, so anyway, whatever the topic could be, are you posting about politics? My recommendation is stop it. Let's move on. Um, but whatever that situation may be, whatever you're posting about, think about the people who follow you and are friends with you. How would they hear what I'm saying? Am I saying things that are very esoteric, very uh, limited to Adventism that they would know nothing about? Like you're talking about general conference, you're talking about great controversy. They may not know what you're saying, right? So if you're posting things regularly, uh, don't ostracize them with the language that you're using, if that makes sense. Who should be able to see it? So, for instance, on Facebook, there's this little section here. When you're getting ready to write a post, here's where you would write it. 
if you're just making a post. But if you were to act, there's this thing here that says public, uh, depending upon what you've made your settings to be when you started. But in a general sense, if all your posts go public, there's this option that says who should see this? Anyone on Facebook or off Facebook? Because uh, if you have a Facebook profile that's completely public, people can just search your name in Google. And I mean, if you don't have like a name that's ridiculously common, my name would be easier maybe than yours would be potentially, but because it's not a common name. But if they search it on Google and it says Facebook, DCasper, Facebook, whatever, and they click that link, even if they don't have a Facebook page, they can see what it is that you've posted there if your page is set to fully public. Um, and all those privacy settings are in Facebook under your settings tab that you can deal with. But that's not the point for this. My point is, let's say that you're going to post something that's very Adventist in nature, uh, but you would prefer, or I'll give another example. So we at ARTV, we just released a documentary last Friday on the Mark of the Beast. Let's say that you have Catholic family members that just aren't ready for that right now, but you do want to share this documentary. What you can do is you can click either just your friends see it, but if your family count is that and they're Catholic and it's going to be a problem right now, they're not ready for that yet, you can go to Friends Accept. And in this area, it shows all of your friends and you can search for them by typing their name or you can scroll all the way through them if you have a billion of them, it'll take a while. Um, and you can check each of their names so that whenever you post this, they never see it. Whether they, it's right when you post, whether it's later, Facebook specifically hides that individual post from those individuals and you can tailor that list as much as you want. Now, if that list for you is the same group of people all the time, and if you get a new friend eventually that falls in that category, you can add them, and it stays that same list. If you want to do a separate list, you have to delete your old one and make a new one, if that makes sense. But anyway, it's a way that you can actually hide posts from folks who they're just not ready for what you had to say right now in a particular area, right? Let's hope that it's, you know, for spiritual reasons and not nefarious reasons. But anyway, uh, either way, there it is. Yes. Correct. Yeah, so when it says friends accept, that means all of my friends will see it except for, and then you start picking who those lists of exceptions are. But if one of them comes off that list, you can just uncheck them. You don't have to create a new list, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah, you can just uncheck them. Yeah, yeah. And most people, probably, your setting is default. Some people just have it's friends only, so people can't see anything on your page except for people who are friends of you. Yeah, all right. Content is king. Content is what matters most. And use what gear you have. I'm going to pick up on this a little bit more later. But content is king. So let's say that you can't make this killer short film that's made in a, in a cinematic format. You can't make that. The content that you're sharing will still be able to draw people's attention, right? Most of the viral videos that are on the internet right now, viral just means videos that went immensely popular, tons of people viewed it, millions are viewing it, it, it's gone well, it's been a success, but the term has gone viral. Um, anyway, most of the videos that have gone viral on the internet literally are from a cell phone. It's usually some funny thing, it's some cute thing. Charlie Bit My Finger, for instance, is I think the highest viewed video on YouTube. It's about this boy who his dog bites his finger and he has a funny accent and anyway, it just blew it up. So, uh, so anyway, some people think that I can't, some have more of like a perfectionist bent and think, I can't do anything until I have everything perfect. The problem is, you're never gonna do anything. 
Jesus can do something with something. He can't do anything with nothing, right? Just get out there, get dirty, try something, right? So use what you have. Uh, you don't have to have a $10,000 camera to be able to make something for social media and so forth. You don't have to be Ellen White or J.N. Loughborough to be able to make, to write something that people would read or James White. Uh, Casey Neistat, a super famous YouTuber, not an Adventist, uh, Jewish background, doubt Christian. Anyway, someone who's kind of the golden boy of YouTube right now. He was given, he said the best advice that he ever got in regards to YouTube and doing ministry and doing YouTube as a profession was from a guy named Roman Atwood, who's another famous YouTuber. And his best advice was just keep uploading. Just keep trying. Just keep doing it. Just keep giving it a shot. And you learn by doing, right? You're just going to make mistakes along the way, which is fine. Just keep doing it. See what actually resonates with people and just keep going. Now, post things that are relevant to young people and what they wrestle with. No offense, but if you're not in their demographic, they're probably not going to want to listen to you anyway. It just is what it is. Uh, but they may. If you're a friend or a trusted associate, I generally am doing this presentation for people who are millennials and in that age range. Um, so, and we're talking about a ministry that most of the people who are on social media are in that demographic. There are exceptions and that's fine, but I just want to kind of give that caveat. But Because uh, when I usually do this presentation, that's who I'm speaking to and how to work. But post things that are relevant to the people that are in your sphere of influence that are following you. I'll contextualize my statement here. And things that they wrestle with, right? Things that are actually relevant to what are uh, on their heart and on their mind that they struggle with. The stuff that's killing them that social media fuels and that needs to be addressed. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll come back to that. All right. Don't weary your audience. Um, so there is... I, I've done this a few times, but I had to have a conversation with someone, I don't know, in the last year or so, who is a well-known Seventh-day Adventist minister who is absolutely wearying the saints on a topic that they're passionate about. And they post like seven to eight things a day on this topic. And I had to sit them down and tell them, you got to chill. You got to slow down. Like, I understand that you're passionate about this. And if you find something you like, you share it. The problem is there's so much information you're throwing at people. You just sound like a squeaky wheel. And they're just, you're getting on people's nerves. Like I've had people tell me, multiple people tell me, they have unfollowed you on Facebook because they're tired of hearing from you. Even though they may agree with the theological thing you're talking about or the whatever thing you're talking about, they're just tired of hearing from you because you're sharing too much. Slow down. Because I feel like what that person brought to the table was valuable. But the approach that they had taken has pushed people away. So don't weary the saints. Please, I beg of you, don't, tag people and share stuff with them every single day. It, it absolutely frustrates and aggravates them. Um, and this is something that, that generally older generations just don't fully recognize, but if they find something that they like, they just share it with people. The problem is they may have no interest. So it's better for you to share it on your profile and they can see it than to tag a bunch of people, right? So one of the things you can do when you make a post is you can actually tag a person so that their name is now embedded in this post and they get a notification saying, hey, so-and-so tagged you in a post and they see the thing. It's a dog video. It's a cat video. You're, you're taking pictures of regular pictures, and so it doesn't look very good because it's a picture of a picture as opposed to like the original thing. And you're talking about how cute it was when they were a kid and you saw them in such and such. It's just kind of public embarrassment. So like just 
Keep in mind that you can weary your audiences and they don't want you to be their friend anymore because you're just cluttering their wall. I have someone who literally is just spamming me to death through Facebook Messenger. I, they're just blowing up my phone. Like tons of these long posts and quotes, inspirational pictures, they're just killing me with stuff. And it's a sweet person. They're, they're a sold out Seventh-day Adventist Christian, they love Jesus, but they're driving me crazy but I don't have the courage to tell them. And so I've muted the notifications on my phone from them, so I have no idea what they're even sending me anymore. They could be asking me questions I couldn't even tell you because they've just exhausted me. They've wearied me. Please don't do that. Stop it if you are doing it. You're killing us. Pardon? That's Russia? Well, I mean, yeah, but there's a whole bunch of white people that are doing it too, and they're driving people crazy. But yeah, um, so anyway, it's just something that we need to, don't do that, right? Don't send a whole bunch of stuff to people. Be very selective in what you tag and send to people. Make sure it actually matters, it's relevant, they would want to see it. Otherwise, there's a setting on Facebook where they can just unfollow you. They can even block you, but I think if they block you, you're told about it. But if you're just posting a bunch of stuff and people are getting frustrated and just burned out by it, there's literally a way that you can unfollow the person, but you're still their friend. So you think they're getting your post, but they disengaged from you a long time ago. They don't see anything from you. And so don't weary your audience. Don't spam people. Don't leave tons of messages on people's walls, right? If someone did that in real-time communication, it would drive you nuts, right? But we think it's different. It's not. Like if my phone makes noise every time you bother me and my wall is now filled with your stuff instead of the things that I'm posting, it's a problem, right? So be selective, right? Tithe and be temperate when it comes to your, uh, your posts and the things you're sharing and tagging people on. And it's easy when your family and other things because you just think this, there's generally kind of this transition that like, this is all new, particularly to the older generation. Like this is new, this is kind of neat, this is kind of cool. And so you may get overwhelmed with things that you like and you may get kind of share happy initially. It's best to just slow down uh, and be temperate on that. Now, I'm going to share with you some people on Facebook and other places who are doing great work who are Seventh-day Adventists. Um, we can hear about Casey Neistat and other people who are doing stuff well, but I'd like to show you just some lists of people that you can research and learn from, okay? The first is a guy named Jasper Ivan Aturiega, who I wish was here right now, and he's not. Uh, he's not dead or anything, don't get me wrong, but I, um, we did the seminar together at GYC, and I wish he was here. So, Jasper Ivan Aturiega... Filipino guy, killer filmmaker, great preacher, loves Jesus, and he's a gypsy like me. He just travels and does ministry all the time. Um, anyway, he has phenomenal photos. He has phenomenal videos. Uh, great, great content if you're into that side of things. There could be no one in this room who's interested in doing filmmaking and photography. That's fine. His stuff is good. It's inspirational. You could share it with someone else, okay? Jasper Ivan Atariega, he's on Facebook, he's also on Instagram, um, and he does have a YouTube channel. You can look it under a Tell Them Ministry. You want to write this down, Tell Them Ministry, it's all one word, and uh, that's his YouTube channel. And then you can also search his name in YouTube, because I think he has another YouTube channel as well. But most of the stuff that he's been posting as of late anyway has been directly on Facebook, uh, the videos themselves. For reasons that Jamie mentioned, uh, and two, it just takes too much time. He's, 
He's traveling so much. I've been asking him to send me his slideshows for his presentation since like February. And he hardly had, he has good enough internet to post stuff on Instagram, but not good enough to send me those files, apparently. Uh, so anyway, I'm hoping he sends them to me before Friday or I'm going to wing it. Um, anyway, that's, that's his stuff. Tell them ministry or Jasper Ivan Toriega on Facebook. Uh, and by the way, he has, of Adventists, he probably has the most views of anyone I know, like in the millions uh, of the stuff that he's made, which is very rare for an Adventist to get that many views. Uh, and I'll show you some of his stuff maybe when we get done here. I'll try to get some things together for you to watch. All right, sdadata.org. This is Jamie's stuff. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, this is all the department that she works with. Digi Evangelism is their handle on Facebook. But sdadata.org is another one full of resources, how to write a post, how to do boosted posts, right? How to do targeted ads where you pay money for people to see what you're posting as a church, as an organization, um, why YouTube and Facebook have this quarrel one with another and how to navigate it, how to make videos, what to look for, just tons of resources. If you're involved in posting social media on behalf of a ministry or your church, you have to have this. And if you don't do it, but someone in your church does, tell them about it. Free resources created by an Adventist for Adventists based on best practices. Uh, this is a guy named Justin Coe that Jamie was talking about yesterday that she's going to be releasing some YouTube resources uh, on her page. This guy's an Adventist, uh, has started a vlog. A vlog is just a... How many people know what a blog is? B-L-O-G. So a blog is an, it's basically what you have on the internet where you post... It's not journaling, but you're writing articles, right? You're regularly writing articles about this topic, that topic. It's on your website. It's just your blog, right? A vlog is a video blog. And so what Justin does is he has these videos that are five to 10 minutes in nature, sometimes longer, dealing with Christian topics on practical Christianity. He does stuff on relationships with his wife. He's done stuff on theology stuff, how to grow your devotional life, whatever, just Christian lifestyle things. So anyway, as an Adventist, he's done better than most on this topic. When I met him and was on an ASI Evangelism Think Tank together with him in the spring of 2016, he was hoping to get 1,000 followers then, by the end of the year. He now has over 40. I think it's actually closer to 60-something now, because uh, last time I did this, 60,000 subscribers. Now, to be fair, in the realm of YouTubers, that's nothing, really. I mean, there, people have them in the millions. But for an Adventist, that's good, right? So anyway, as a vlogger, he's doing fairly well. And he's getting respect from other Christians because of what he does. Uh, lineage Journey. How many people have heard of this? Lineage Journey. So this is a video project that was started by the North England Conference. Does anyone know who Adam Ramden is? Uh, it's Jason Sliger's brother-in-law, if that helps. Um, anyway, he is... Part of the team here, Lineage Journeys, how you can find them on Facebook. They're also on YouTube, and then they have Instagram stuff as well. But they've created five to eight minute videos dealing with the history of the Reformation. They released a video every single week last year for like 48 weeks. Every week. And this is one of the big things. When you're doing YouTube ministry or social media ministry, if you just post something once a month, no one cares. It doesn't do near as much as someone who posts regularly. It's just like discipleship. You don't show up to somebody's house, give them a Bible study, not show up for a month, and assume that things are great, they're excited about the Bible, they, right? You need to have a regular investment in this person's life as they're growing 
Social media and digital media is exactly the same way. It's like discipleship. Keep having regular investment, regular posts, regular content. So they were releasing stuff weekly through Facebook. They were getting an average of about 15 to 18,000 views per video on Facebook every week. Plus they had views on YouTube and other places. So they did really, really well. It's cinematic in nature. It's modernly packaged, but it's still principled. And it's all walking through the history of the Reformation on site. They're not in a studio somewhere. They went on site to every one of these historic locations. It's amazing. If you guys don't know about this, it's a great way to share the Reformation with people. It's a great thing to share in between Sabbath school and church service, uh, just as a way to kind of inform your own people about the Reformation. It's a great resource. Yes. Yeah. And the content is good, right? He's distilling down a lot of history into like five to seven minutes, which is hard. Lineage Journey. Uh, no, just, just search it in Google, Lineage Journey. It's up here, lineagejourney.com. And uh, it's at the top, lineagejourney.com. So that's, that was, so they did this, it went all the way through, yeah, lineagejourney.com. So they did all of the Reformation, basically from the beginning of the Reformation all the way until the late 1700s or so. Season two is going to be on the topic of Adventist church history. And that releases July 4th. So just in a matter of a few weeks, they'll release one every week from July 4th to the end of the year. So they started in the Northeast. Then they did Michigan. They did some stuff down in Tennessee. They went down to Oakwood. Uh, they did, I think they filmed where the Daystar uh, came off, where they ended up eventually building Madison. Uh, they filmed there. Uh, they filmed in California, Elmshaven, you know, SoCal, Australia, New Zealand, and then places in Europe. So the history of the Adventist church is the second season that begins again July 4th. Same people, same website, nothing changes. It's just a new season of content. We actually have licensed season one on ARTV, so you can also watch it there uh, for Linea's Journey. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they're still there. That, that's the whole point. So the way they released it was not that like it's only on TV for this band. It wasn't even on TV. So it was all on the internet. It's all there even now. And season two will be the same way. Everything, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's straight on the Reformation, every name, every location, everything. It's all there. Yeah, the whole thing's there, yeah. So I mean, there's, there's 48 episodes. Yeah, 48 times 5 to 8 minutes, that's a lot of content, right? Um, and then season 2 is going to be on, like I said, Adventist history. And they don't, they don't hold anything back. So it's really, really well done. Uh, getting a lot of respect from a lot of people. Hope channels around the world have been airing it. They've actually translated it into other languages. And Hope Channel Australia actually made Bible studies to go along with it, uh, which I can't remember where they are. I think they actually have a link for it on Lineage Journey's website. I'm sure they do. The Hope Channel actually made Bible studies that can kind of go along with it and study guides. All right, Little Light Studios. Uh, Little Light Studios has been making documentaries for years on uh, the background of media and kind of the shady behind-the-scenes stuff that happens in Hollywood media, um, the messages that are actually being told through popular Hollywood movies that are anti-Christian in nature. Uh, they're another resource that's helpful, littlelightstudios.tv. Um, littlelightstudios.tv. Okay, so littlelightstudios.tv, they've got stuff on Facebook. They've also released a new series called LED, Light Exposing Darkness, which is, they're like five minute, they're shorter documentaries instead of like an hour long. They're 
10, 15, 20 minutes in length uh, on current topics that are, are popular in media, right? Different Disney movies, Hollywood movies, superhero movies, whatever. So they've created resources, but they've also started something called VBS, not Vacation Bible School, Video Bible Studies, I think is what they're called. Anyway, they're five minutes in length, and they're literally distilling down Adventist doctrines and practical Christianity topics in five minutes or less. And yes, it's hard. I've had to do them. Holy cow, that's hard. Um, I'm still waiting on the one I did on the Hell to Release, actually, because that went really well. But uh, that's another resource they have. Just check out their Facebook page. There's a ton of resources there that you can get access to that are very, very helpful. So that's Little Light Studios. Little Light Studios, if you are in the realm of media, you want to create media, or you do create media, um, they also have something that they have started called Video Mission Stock Footage. Video Mission Stock is how you can find it on Facebook. This is a great asset if you, like if you preach, for instance, and you're looking for images that you can use in your sermons or videos that you can include in your sermons uh, dealing with biblical stuff. Uh, they're creating resources to fill that need, which is great. Um, video mission stock footage is what it's called. If you're into that, if you're not, don't waste your time. You can just move on to the next slide because um, it's not going to be relevant to you unless you're in media or you're making presentations for people. But if you are creating footage and want to make stock footage and make money off the footage that you're producing, you can give it to them. And they're a storefront for that. So that let's say that you're a filmmaker and you film some stuff at Reformation sites when you went on a tour overseas or... Uh, you have footage of people dressed like Roman guards or whatever, uh, stuff that would be relevant to Christianity, maybe a, a, a beautiful picture of the cross itself, something else. Uh, they have a stock footage site, which is where people go. Jamie talked about this yesterday. People go there to find images to use for spiritual posts um, or you want videos to use for that. You can buy stuff from them and it supports ministry. The nice thing is if you are a filmmaker or creative and you've made stuff, you can give it to them. You get 60% of the cut when that is sold each time. They just get 40% to cover the overhead for administrative stuff. So it's great for missionaries. If you're into media and that's you, that's a great place to go. If that's not you, don't worry about it. Okay, moving on. ARTV, that's what we do. I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow or maybe Friday. I haven't made up my mind yet. But again, that's free Adventist content. Um, ARTVnow.com is our website. If you have an Android device, an Apple iOS device, Apple TV, if you have Roku, and if you have a web browser, you can access ARTV 24-7. It's not a television station. This isn't like 3ABN or Hope Channel. It's totally different. It's on-demand programming that's all internet-based, and it's short content. It's not 28-30 or an hour long. It could be seven minutes. It could be six minutes and 34 seconds. It's shorter in nature, most of it, um, and it's stuff that's all Adventist and there's no sermons, right? So it's just like Netflix, if you will, but Adventist in nature and shorter. There's not a lot of feature films. It's more shorter content, okay? Jamie had talked about this yesterday, I Believe Bible. This is a resource that's been created for young people, um, having videos and stuff kind of addressing and tackling issues that are relevant to young folks. Um, they're doing pretty well because they've got Jamie helping them a lot to kind of really do the background of how to target ads, how to get it in people's hands so they would actually know about it. And I forget how many followers they have at this stage, but they've done pretty well for an Adventist organization. I, it's part of the Adventist Learning Center, uh, Center, which is through the seminary. I don't remember if that's an NAD initiative or a GC initiative. I believe it's NAD. Um, 
Anyway, that's another asset that exists of different resources. Um, if you find a resource you like, share it. That's what it's there for, right? You like a video, hit share. People you know will be able to see it. That's kind of the point. I, the letter I, believe Bible, all one word, when you're researching for it on Facebook. Here's another one. This is a great resource for anybody. It's called Bible Ask. Bible Ask. It used to be called Proof Directory, but now it's called Bible Ask. So what this guy did is a friend of mine. He's in Ohio now. used to be in Loma Linda. They have over 80,000 followers on Facebook, and a majority of those people are non-Aventist. It's an amazing success story. This guy started a website. His, his background is IT in nature. And he started a website where people could just submit Bible questions, and he would give them answers. But here's the good part. They're Seventh-day Adventist answers, <laughs> right? Because there's websites like this that exist, but they're not giving Adventist answers. This website is. So let's say you're looking for an answer to a hard Bible question. You can check their website and get an answer for yourself. If you meet people, I know they have ways you can get access to these. Um, you can go to their website and ask them or, or message them on Facebook. Do you guys have cards that we can hand out to people? Uh, it's a great way to do outreach, right? Because it just says Bible as. It's not Seventh-day Adventist answering your questions, right? It's not saying that at all. It doesn't come across as Adventist in nature, but it's dealing with Adventist perspectives to anyone's Bible questions. Great, great resource. So they have a Facebook page. They also have a Twitter account. And their website is BibleAsk.org. BibleAsk.org. So here's an example of one of the questions they got. How often should Christians partake of the Lord's Supper? If you click the link, they'll give you an answer, okay? Uh, yeah, BibleAsk.org. Great, great resource for you to share your faith with people who are around. Yeah, that was the name it used to be. Uh -huh. All right. Uh, this, this is a good friend of mine, Jared Thurman's wife. Uh, her name is Annette. These folks are making country living look hip. Man, it's good. She takes these really Etsy pictures. They have two miniature donkeys, 17 chickens, eight alpacas, because some of these numbers have changed. This is from back around Christmas time, uh, and two cats, and they have three ducks, and it's amazing. So she just has an Instagram account. If you have Instagram, follow her immediately. Her stuff is really, really good. But she doesn't hide the fact that she's a Seventh-day Adventist. She'll talk about Sabbath. She'll talk about praying for the animals and something goes wrong with them. But she has these beautiful posts and she has cute animals. They have a booming garden set up. They've got a beautiful farm. It's just great. They make country living look awesome. Uh, she also have a, has a website, azurefarmlife.com, where you can actually get access to some of the blogs that she writes. Here's some of the stories. They've had two baby alpacas uh, born on the property, so there's cute pictures. Um, and she actually has playlists now on her Instagram page at the bottom where you can actually look at stuff that was older, uh, of like when the apacas were smaller, when they had little ducks. So when they first got the ducks, they just got them earlier this year, like they would put them in their kitchen sink. So they had these little tiny ducks swimming around their kitchen sink, like eating parsley. It's just adorable. Uh, it's better than television. And Instagram has something called Insta Stories, where you can post a video that will expire in 24 hours, but you're giving video updates throughout the day. And I'm telling you, it's better than TV. It's cute, it's awesome, but it's Christian, and it's highlighting the beauty of God's creation and other things. It's a great thing that you can share with somebody who's maybe not an Adventist, uh, but likes cute animals or other things where Annette can be a good influence on them. So anyway, cool little resource for you there. 
She's doing Instagram well. She does a lot of hashtags. Uh, hashtags is just the number sign. And that's basically a, it's kind of a coding thing that whenever people are searching for a topic on social media, they can find that specifically. So for instance, last night I took a picture of a guy who preached the gospel last night. Man, it was good. At the youth tent. I don't even remember what his name was. He's, he's only been in the conference for like a week. Uh, man, it was a good message for the young people in the, in the teen tent. A young adult tent. Youth tent. Apparently youth and teens are not the same thing, but the age is teenagers. I don't understand it. I didn't grow up in Avenue, so I, you know better than I would, I guess. But anyway, the tent near the elementary school, I think it was the youth one. Um, anyway, I posted, and in my post, I put hashtag Michigan Camp Meeting. So whenever you type hashtag Michigan Camp Meeting in Instagram, you're going to find all the posts that people have made that have that hashtag in it, right? So it's just one of the things you do to kind of lump things together. So when people are searching for stuff, they find it. Uh, if you hashtag stuff that isn't Adventist in nature, but put it in your post, for instance, there was a beautiful sunset here two nights ago. So I made a post on that and I put hashtag sunset. So anyone who's searching sunset in Instagram can find my post about that, right? They may not be my friend, but by searching hashtags, they can find it. That's a whole other premise. But doesn't it drop off No, that's only for Insta stories. Hashtags last forever. So Insta stories are, are like the video things you do that's different than a regular post that you would have. It's kind of a whole other animal. Um, another group or a couple that are doing some really cool pictures uh, are E&M Bambrick. It's Evan and Michelle Bambrick. Uh, he actually used to work with the Adventist Review. Anyway, they take great pictures. They travel the world together and make life look exciting. They make travel look really fun. Uh, and they make marriage look really fun. So for Christmas, they were in Hawaii, jogging on the beach, doing something fun together. Anyway, uh, they've got great posts too. They're really good to photographers. That's part of what helps. Uh, Jasper told me, this is all on Instagram, by the way. Jasper told me about this guy, uh, this group. You're not going to want to follow them because it's all in Indonesian. But the point is they have 65,000 followers and they're posting scripture in a predominantly Muslim country and culture. That's pretty amazing. So, um, just people who were doing Instagram well, for anyone who may be listening to this later and actually know Indonesian and want to have access to this, prepare yourself to write quickly. A-Y-A-T-A-L-K-I-T-A-B-H-A-R-I-A-N. And just hit the back button on Audioverse to hear it again, because I'm not going to do that twice. Okay. To Evan, Evan and Michelle Bambrick, yeah. And there's more than this. I'll give you another one that you can just write down. Mark Payton. Mark A. Payton. Um, he, I don't have a slide for him, but he's, if you just want to write his name down, Mark Payton or search him on Instagram. Uh, he's got great stuff. Taj Pakleb has great stuff. Jasper's on Instagram too. Um, okay, so there's a guy from South Africa in the Namibia area who he has, he has a very unique background. His background is radio and evangelism, and engineering, and something. I don't fully understand how this happened, but God allowed this guy to have a bunch of different life experiences that prepared him to do what he's doing now. Look this guy up on Facebook if you want to learn how to use WhatsApp for evangelistic purposes. Incredible what this guy has done. I'll tell you the story in a moment, but this is his name, Neville Neveling. Uh, Dwayne McKee has found out about this guy. Dwayne McKee was in the bush in South Africa somewhere, and where this guy's located, Neville, is an area where they don't really have 
ease of access to church. Like your closest neighbor is like 45 miles away, like way out in this big spread out country in South Africa. And so what they ended up doing is they started, he was asked to go speak or be involved in something. He met Jonathan Zirkel, I think. And then Jonathan told him, you need to come check out something over here in uh, Asia somewhere like Japan or the Philippines. I forget where it was. He goes and he catches on to what they're doing over there. They're using WhatsApp as a means of sharing the gospel with people. WhatsApp is an app on your phone. You also get an app for it on your computer. If you're in Asia, you're most likely using WhatsApp and not iMessage on your iPhone. It's like the most common text message feed. Uh, we talked about this two days ago that between WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, 60 billion messages a day are communicated around the world. It's a very, very heavily trafficked app. Um, it's also encrypted, so like if you're communicating with people who are missionaries in a closed country, it's kind of helpful. I had friends that were missionaries over in, in the Middle Eastern North Africa division. I could actually text them through WhatsApp because the texts are encrypted, so they're not public to anybody else. It's end-to-end -end encrypted. But you can do video chats back and forth. You can do text chats and audio chats back and forth and do phone calls. If you have just friends that are overseas, uh, that you have family members overseas or someone's going on a mission trip, WhatsApp is a great way to communicate back and forth, and it's free. Uh, it just ties to your local phone number or whatever. So anyway, they're using WhatsApp overseas to do something. So Neville hears about it, and he ends up starting an evangelistic series through WhatsApp. And he literally designed every... So it's a 40-minute message, basically. Each, each topic is about 40 minutes in nature, but each individual minute of that 40-minute sermon has its own introduction, peak, and then close. So he designed everything he would say to continually keep the attention of the listener from the first minute all the way until the last minute. That sounds like a lot of work, but he did it. And they're baptizing people. They've planted churches as a result of this. So Dwayne McKee was in South Africa. Somehow he meets someone who tells him about it. He tracks the guy down, and now this guy's working with AWR uh, to help them get this approach going. He was actually doing a big training uh, for people in the States right around the time of the, when they did Pathways in Phoenix last year. So anyway, it's a great asset, a great resource. If you just reach out to him on Facebook, he can give you more information. They were doing an offer cons first. Now they've done it in English. So he does have resources that he can share and how to do it. Just look him up on Facebook, Neville Neveling, and you can get some more information there. That's amazing. So people using technology to advance the gospel, they've baptized people, they've planted churches with it. They have full-length church services through WhatsApp. It's amazing. So uh, other benefits of social media are crowdfunding sites. So you have things like GoFundMe. Uh, and others that I can't remember right now, but they exist. And so We Care, I think, was another one. But Dwayne Lemon, I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh, Dwayne Lemon had to have an emergency heart surgery a few years ago from a heart defect he's had since birth that eventually got to a point that he had to have it dealt with. Um, and they were able to crowdsource and fund that surgery that he had to have in Loma Linda, which was a huge blessing. A missionary is still doing the work of God today because people were able to give online to support this surgery that he desperately needed. Uh, Lisa Manzanares, is, she has a different name now. She just got married, but um, she had to have a surgery as well where she couldn't quite afford it. But please do not weary the saints for things that wouldn't necessitate doing that, right? Use it for stuff that is actually a big need to get it out there. I've seen people who are trying to raise college tuition that way or 
it's just you don't want to weary the saints with crowdsource funding, right? Um, but anyway, it's, it just how the internet is making a difference. Melody Mason, her mom, ended up getting cancer treatment because they wrote a crowdsource. So it's a great way how the internet has afforded people to hear about a cause and give to it directly and make a difference in ways that they couldn't before, right? So it's pretty incredible how that can happen. Uh, all right, I'll give you some examples. How many people are not familiar with Audioverse? So Audioverse is an app that you can find on your phone, and it's, it's web-based too. It's kind of like what we do, where it's all app-based, and then you can get it on your web browser. It's just this hub for a ton of Adventist sermons, like thousands of them. And so you can get stuff from Eugene Pruitt, me if it matters, Mark Finley, duh. Mark Howard has a ton of stuff on there. Um, Michigan Conference camp meetings messages are going to be on Audioverse. I think even these seminars go on Audioverse after the fact. It's all free, um, and it just goes straight to your phone. So it's kind of a really nice thing that you can just... New sermons release every Monday and Thursday. So whenever GYC and ASI and events like that happen, the messages go on Audioverse. It's a great asset. And uh, you can listen to them whenever you want. You can share them easily through the app. Great, great asset, Audioverse. So anyway, I had a sermon on Audioverse... Uh, last year called Why Prayer Matters. And I was just telling, I was speaking to high school kids. I used to teach in an academy, so I was back at that school uh, sharing for a weekend. So I'm sharing to high school kids who don't have any money. The furthest thought from my mind is that anyone's going to want to donate, because that's not why I'm telling the kids these stories. But anyway, I was telling the kids a story of how I had gone through an experience being in ministry of just absolute radical poverty and had a lot of needs and just wasn't sure what to do. So I was telling the story of how God stepped in in an amazing way, how I was discouraged, and just kind of let out a cry to God in all places in the food aisle of a big lots. And not, not audibly, of course, that would be really weird. Um, but it was just a cry of my heart to God when just poverty was just crushing me out, man, just discouraging me. And I wasn't asking for a lot, but like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't pay my bills. Stuff would come at the last minute. Bills would get paid, but like can't afford shampoo even. Just it was rough. And... I'm telling the story about how God laid on a friend of mine, on the heart of a friend of mine, to be praying for me in that very moment when I gave that cry out to God. They sent me a text message. It was perfectly timed. It's an amazing story. I just don't have time to go into all of that. But you just go to audio verse. It's called Why Prayer Matters if you want to hear it. And so anyway, I share this message to high school kids to make a point about the fact that God hears when we're broken. God hears when we're hurting that was the point I was making, not, hey, please make donations payable to impoverished missionary at whatever. That wasn't the point at all. So anyway, that sermon goes in audio verse. I don't think much of it. And I get a message from someone who had heard me preach in Loma Linda earlier. The messages had been a blessing. They had private messaged me before, uh, after I preached at Loma Linda, just saying, hey, I really appreciate what you shared and be of good courage about whatever you shared in this particular topic. So I knew who the person was. But the sermon releases an audio verse. And they send me a message saying, hey, uh, I heard your message in Audioverse. It was a real blessing to me. And um, how much is your car payment this month? Because I'd like to help. And I thought, what? Like, why? I don't, I don't understand. Like, that wasn't what I was thinking when I said what I said about car payment and other stuff. Like, it's the furthest thought from my mind. I wasn't asking for help. I was telling about how awesome Jesus was when I was hurting. But they said, your messages have been a blessing to me, and I want to be a blessing to you, so how much is your car payment, and how can I, where do I send the check? I thought, wow, you go, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm at a friend's house, 
I don't think I have this story on Audioverse as far as how the car even happened. I'll preach it sometime and throw it up there. But anyway, how I even got this car is an absolute miracle. And every single month, somehow, the car payment gets paid, even whenever I was hurting. Things are better now, but um, there was a span where I literally wasn't paid for like a year because the ministry didn't have any money. And so we were just kind of getting by. I, that was before I worked for ARTV. And uh, the ministry I was working for, we were just hurting. So we were able to kind of keep things going day to day. But like, I literally wasn't paid for basically a calendar year. And in the middle of that calendar year, God has the audacity to move me in the direction of getting a car. And I begged him, do not make me get a loan. I don't want to do this. I'm horrified. I don't want to have to trust God every month. Don't make me do this. And uh, so what do you think happened? Some bank that was out of its mind gave me a loan when I deserved it the least. I tried to get a loan when I had like a $2,000 down payment, 720 credit score, no bad history. They should have given me a loan and they wouldn't do it. Nine months, 10 months later, my credit score has gone down 100 points. Now I have credit card decks. I wasn't being paid from work. And these people have the audacity to give me a loan they never should have given me for even more than the loan that was declined earlier. Anyway, Jesus is amazing. He made it happen. And anyway, so I, I had this car. God pays for it every month because he's awesome. And where God leads, God provides. I knew that. I just didn't want to be that on the line every month. Like trusting God when circumstances are slightly inconvenient, no problem. I'll sign up for that, Jesus. I'll look pious in front of people and tell them my weepy story about something that really isn't all that hard. But like when you're going to get nailed and your car's going to get stolen by the bank, like, that's a whole other story. That's a whole different level of trust that I wasn't wanting to sign up for because I was discouraged, and I've repented of that since then. Anyway, so this person sends that payment. So I'm telling now the story to some friends of mine I hadn't seen in a while on how I got this miracle car, which is a beautiful, amazing story that I don't have time to tell you right now. And, and then I tell them, and then so-and-so, like, sends me this money to even pay for my car payment this month. And so earlier that day... Before I tell these people the story in the evening, earlier that day, I got a message from someone who had messaged me before on Facebook because they heard a sermon on Audioverse and had something they had made that was talking about a similar topic they wanted me to look at. And um, seemed like a friendly person. I know it's a real person, even though their Facebook picture isn't of them. It's like of the cross or something. So you always wonder, like, is this a robot? Is this a Russian spy? Like, you know, we don't know. But uh, anyway, they seemed like they were Christians. seemed like they were Adventists. They listened to Audioverse. Good for them. And... So the guy sends me a message earlier in the day and says, do you have a PayPal? And I'm like, I don't know. Do I? Right? Like, are you a pirate? You from Somalia? Like, I don't know. So I, I just wanted to kind of better understand if someone had hacked into their account or not. So I kind of asked a follow-up question for me or for the ministry. And they said, for you, and how much is your car payment? Uh, because I want to help. But I didn't, I didn't ask the follow-up question until I'm telling the story to my friends that night. So I'm telling this story about my car, and at the same time, I, I message this guy on Facebook and say, for me or for the ministry, keep telling the story on how the car came about, and what's happening, and this and that. Someone had given me a car when I worked at Heritage, uh, and that was another precious miracle, and then I was able to give that car away twice, actually. But in giving that car away, I now have no car when I moved to Unseen Media Group, trusting that God will provide. And then I go try to get a loan when I should have had one, no one would take it. Now, I don't have any money, my credit score is zapped, and I end up getting a loan. So I'm kind of getting partway through the story. Then the guy says, I want to help with your car payment. Really? 
So I send them the email address that's tied to my PayPal as I'm still telling the story, and then I get a notification on my phone from PayPal. This guy sends me three car payments plus a tithe. Sent me over $1,000. I didn't ask for help. It was the furthest thought from my mind when I preached this. It was just a sermon on Audioverse. But the Spirit of God convicted these people to do something for me in my greatest time of need. So that's in May last year. So that means I didn't have to make, that was my payment for May, for the first one, for, for the person who gave it from Loma Linda. And then June, July, and August from this guy. Later in the summer, the guy who talks to me about doing a video project together, something else. And then he ends up sending me at the end of that phone call two more car payments. That's September and October. I didn't have to make a car payment from May until November 29th last year because of some sermon on Audioverse that people heard that was a blessing to them. Now, disclaimer, just because you have a sermon on Audioverse doesn't mean people are going to send you money. Um, Jesus did it. You, you talk to him about that. I don't know how it works exactly. My point is there are things that are happening on the internet for the means of ministry that are making a difference. Audioverse is being used as a platform to get messages in people's hands that are changing their lives. I had no idea how much of a difference Audioverse was making until I had sermons on there. And I get private messages from people all over the world. Hey, I heard your sermon, blah, 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 and it changed my life. Hey, man, I was listening to this sermon the other day, changed my life. I sent this sermon of yours to a friend of mine who's dealing with depression, has changed their life. Like, all I did was upload an MP3 file to a website. And it's changing the lives of people all around the world. Not just that sermon, but multiple sermons. It's happening. And it's been helpful for me to realize that this could not have happened if they didn't take that step to create a resource that is only internet-based to get the gospel in the hands of people. Digital media does make a difference, right? And if you hear the testimonies Audioverse gets, it'll prove it. Um, so 3ABN, they have a web-based thing too, right? They have an app and so forth. Uh, I think Hope Channel has an app. There's other things too, but, um, but we're talking mainly about online direct stuff. Okay, uh, moving on now. Here's the thing. Whenever you're making posts or doing other things, just keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks, right? Jesus, can, can, Jesus can't do anything with nothing. That's just math, right? Jesus can do something with something, but he can't do anything with nothing, so whenever you're making posts, just be data-driven. That's actually how we operate at ARTV, is that we're consistently running the numbers, always looking over the numbers. Did people respond? Did they not respond? How long did they watch? When did they stop watching? Well, where is it in the video that they stop? What was happening in the video then? How do we change? We're data-driven. This is how people succeed in the internet world. They do it based upon metrics, what's working, what isn't working, what's trending, and adjusting accordingly. So start just surveying the landscape. See, this is why I gave you some names of people in Adventism who are doing it well, and there's others. Um, I've just given you a few. But it gives you kind of a, a basic premise of what's happening that's being done well, so you can then duplicate those things, right? Don't just rip them off, but just, it gives you some ideas of what direction to move. So keep throwing stuff at the wall until it sticks. Uh, again, the uh, counsel from Roman Atwood to Casey Neistat, just keep uploading. Again, focus on building relationships. Be consistent. Don't be like Lot. We talked about this two days ago. That Lot was a person who is referred to as righteous, but unfortunately was very comfortable around foolishness. And that really crippled his witnessing potential. 
So just imagine you're posting nonsense and ridiculous things, but at the same time, you're also posting quotes from Scripture. That's a problem. It's inconsistent. And then so-and-so, a friend of yours who's not really Christian, they have a parent that dies. They have an aunt that dies. And then you have the audacity to tell them, I'm praying for you. Many times they're going to call you out on it and say, you're praying for me. You talk like this, but you pray for me. Yeah, thanks. Right? Make sure that you're being a consistent person online. It's very easy when you're online to develop a persona of someone who's always happy. Things are always going well. You're always doing this, that, and the other thing. And this has gotten people in trouble. I don't know if you've seen this on the news or are familiar with what happens on some of these platforms. There's someone whose name is Logan Paul who got a lot of following on YouTube by doing a lot of ridiculous things. He would pull pranks on people, would do other stuff that was ridiculous, and they just began the process of chasing stuff that was kind of crazy to get views. The problem is whenever you're just chasing after views and fame, you don't really think through what you're doing to get there. And he eventually made a really horrible decision. I think it was Logan Paul, not Jake. It's the Paul brothers, but I think it was Logan that was the one that got grilled for this. Um, he became like one of the golden boys of YouTube. Like YouTube has a, a red, uh, YouTube Red is like a whole other production line they have. They make movies and other stuff just to be released on YouTube. Plus you can be free of ads and stuff. They were going to have him cast in movies. He's making millions of dollars just by having a YouTube channel and getting you know money off of running that. And the guy ends up going over to Asia to a particular area that's basically a place a forest specifically where, where young people commit suicide and it happens all the time. And he goes to this area and eventually ends up, I guess, videoing someone who was hanging from a tree or, and had burned themselves or something. And he shows some of this person in his video and then they're kind of laughing about it after the fact um, of something that had happened or they make jokes like right after the fact. That video gets uploaded to YouTube uh, because he's always chasing views. He doesn't think through what he's doing. And people throw an absolute fit. And for good reasons. That's horrible. It's deplorable. And then he gets nailed by a bunch of other fellow YouTubers saying, that's absurd, man. Even people who are doing pretty grotesque and ridiculous things, they still thought he crossed a line. YouTube penalized him. He did something else. Eventually, he's not having near as much of an influence as he used to. But the problem is, this is a person who has influence over a lot of young people. Young people watch him, they follow him, they do ridiculous pranks and things like he does because they're trying to get views too. So my point is, people will live out a persona to get what they want online. So girls may take seductive pictures because they want people to tell them they're pretty, because they're lonely, because they're hurting. Right? So they're taking pictures of themselves all the time, wanting people to comment so they can feel a little bit better about themselves. Are you living a dual life online? It's a fair question to ask. For you to do productive, effective ministry, it's best to be you, right? Just, just a fair thought there. Okay, be consistent, don't be like Lot. Again, God can do something with something, but he can't do anything with nothing. That's just math. Okay, another principle here. I talked about, it was actually one of my slides towards the beginning. When do I start my kids with something like this, if I start them at all? Uh, I am, this is not, I'm not going to give you a quote from the spirit of prophecy. You know why? Uh, they didn't have social media then. Sorry, I can't help you. I also am not going to be able to quote from Jesus or the Apostle Paul. So this is quoting a skinny white guy here that needs to shave. That's all you're going to get for today. And here's, here's my, my premise. 
I'm a firm believer that Seventh-day Adventists should be training their children in the parameters and context of self-governance. If you don't know what that is, open up the Ellen White app on your phone or on your computer and search the word self-governance. We should be training our children to be analytical thinkers, to reason through the decisions they're going to make, and to think of the consequences. Not, that's bad, stay away. No, bad things are there, just don't do that. The, now, if a child is like three and their brain is underdeveloped, that's basically all you can do at that stage. But once they're getting to an age where they can think for themselves, they need to be taught to self-govern. And this is an area in which we as parents, not that I'm a parent, though I have like 50 adopted kids that I used to teach, um, and as mentors and as teachers and pastors and leaders, we have not done as well as we should have in Adventism. And there's a reason for this. There are some reasons for this I'll explain. So for one, we generally have had a premise, and I'm going to answer my question at the beginning, I promise, I'm going somewhere with this, but this is very relevant. We as the Seventh-day Adventist Church have reforms built into our theology, don't we? Health reform, dress reform, entertainment reform. There are things that we as Seventh-day Adventists, based upon the inspired writings we have access to, and the things that we believe, we don't live like people who aren't Adventists live in a general sense. Uh, there's other people that have some of these morals too. Muslims have them and others. I don't mean to be exclusive here. That's not my point. I'm just saying that we're different than the world. At least we ought to be. And there are standards that we have that are different. And because we have standards that many times have to do with things that are externally visible, what someone eats, what they watch, what they say, what they wear. Because we have some of these as a part of our framework, it's very easy in carnal, sinful flesh to look at externals and make assumptions about what's happening on the inside. They're not converted. Look at what they're wearing. Can you believe this? Look at what they're eating. They certainly can't be a Christian because we listen to what they listen to. Here's the problem with that mentality. For one, you don't know them from Adam most of the time. You have no idea where they are in their experiential growth with Jesus, and it's neither sound nor biblical nor reasonable to make character assumptions and to know whether they're saved or not. It's not. And some of us may be getting a little scared by some of these statements and may be thinking, yeah, but by your fruits you'll know them. First of all, that quote is in the context of prophets. Second of all, Ellen White does use it in the context of character, but many times regarding leadership. My point in this is this. We will use that line a lot of times to justify being critical and judgmental of other people while thinking we're being religious, and we're not. We need to be careful with that. Because many of our young people are leaving our movement because we think we know where they are in life, and we tell them, and we don't. We need to be careful with this. I'm still going to answer my question, I promise, but I need to deal with this overarching topic. Self-governance is teaching them not just, that's bad, stay away from that, don't do that. That doesn't help them understand the why. And they need to be able to process the why when you're not there because you never believe this. They grow up and they leave your house. And if you never taught them to think through the why, then they're going to be in a situation where they're told, mom says don't do this, but other people are doing it and it doesn't really seem to be all that bad. And this is why you have so many stories in Adventism of the kid goes to school, whether it be a boarding school when they leave home, 
whether it be an Adventist college or a secular school, and when they're in that environment, they end up starting these habits and start doing things, and you think, we taught them so much better than that. I told they they knew what right and wrong was. They knew that you said such and such was bad, but many times they were never told why. They were never told how to think through these things, and so in turn, they were just the mere reflector of men's thoughts around them. So what happens when they leave home? They reflect the thoughts of the men's around them because that's what they were taught at home. Do what I say. Believe what I believe. Not, here's how you can believe what's biblical and why. It's, this is what I say. This is how it needs to work. And when schools inflict discipline this way, and I'm saying we shouldn't have discipline. That's not the point at all. We should. But if we don't teach them to think critically, they get themselves in a lot of trouble. They've never been taught to think for themselves. And they flounder in adulthood. Now, I didn't grow up in this movement, but I've taught in academies, in an academy setting. I work with youth all the time. And I see this consistent theme in our young people that they do not know how to think for themselves at all, many of them. And they're just sheep led to the slaughter many times in regards to peer pressure because they were never thought to think critically. They had people who were critical around them, but they weren't taught to think critically, right? That's bad. Stay away. Don't do that. Stay away from this. Don't listen to that. That's bad. And it's not that what you're, the end objective of what's moral and what isn't was wrong. You could have been dead on on that theologically, but we didn't think, we didn't teach them to think. And so when it comes to having allowances to access to things, we need to make sure that we're employing what we as Seventh-day Adventists should be prizing as part of our three angels' messages, liberty of conscience. When we deprive them of the ability to choose in our own home, to make decisions and even to make mistakes and to know how to be corrected and work through it while they're still under our care, they are woefully unprepared for adulthood. And this is where it gets worse. When we literally just train them to obey, 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 and not that obedience is bad, it's a good thing if it's from the heart and they understand why, here's what happens. When they're basically just coerced to not do bad things or else they're going to get in trouble, but they never really understood why, They've basically been trained to obey, to stay out of trouble. Well, here's the problem. When they have friends and peers in their college setting or in their academy setting, who the trouble they're going to receive is rejection, isolation, and misunderstanding to be made fun of, they're going to do what they were programmed to do. They're going to obey to avoid those things because that's trouble to them. You hearing me? And they're going to disobey. They're just going to go with the crowd. And the eschatological ramifications of this is we're literally, when we think we're protecting our kids by isolating them from everything and not letting them think, just stay away, stay away, stay away. It's all bad. Don't do, don't do. And it's not that we should just immerse them in them either. But if they're not prepared to know how to think through it when they encounter it, you know what ends up happening? Every one of these kids that we thought we were protecting, we literally prepared to fall in the Sunday law crisis. Because we never taught them to think for themselves. We never taught them to have their own oil. They've been living off of ours. And they're going to be foolish virgins when that day comes. Because they never had their own experience. They never knew how to study and think for themselves. And this is why many of our young people leave our movement. They had parents with good morals, but didn't know how to execute in the premise of liberty of conscience and self-governance. And we think we taught them better than that. We told them what we didn't like. We told them what may be morally wrong, but we never taught them how to ration through it, and they got themselves in trouble. So the question is, when do we get our kids involved in this? With that framework in mind, 
they're going to have freedom to access whatever they want when they leave your home. They're going to have that freedom. And you need to come to terms with that. And if that's the case, then the best thing you can do for them is equip them to handle it under your care so you can give correction and instruction than to just let them go buck wild in the world and have no form of help. Does that make sense? So there needs to come a time, I would say in the mid to late teens, probably the late teens before they move out, that they need to have access to some of the things they're going to have access to in the world, but with guidelines, there are restrictions that you can put on these devices, and you should. Right? There's ways that you can program the devices, they can't access certain things, but they do need to be given opportunities to make decisions under your care so that if they do make mistakes, there's something you can do about it. You can sit them down and say, hey, so just tell me, how, how did this happen? What were the thoughts that went through your mind when you got to this point? What lessons have you learned by going, you understand? Like you can step them through this process so that they can now be equipped to make responsible decisions with this independence once they leave your home. Does that make sense? So I would say mid to late teens, children should not be on social media if they're under the age of 15 and probably even under the age of like 16 or 17. There is zero reason for them to be on that early with no supervision. And I had, Scott Ritzma did a week of prayer at a school, and I did a week of prayer at that school later. And I was told by the people who were running that school, it was kind of like a, a church school, and the people who were running it, godly people of principle, but a lot of the parents of the kids that go to the school do not have those same principles, okay? And the kids have smartphones in elementary school age, which is totally unnecessary and unreasonable. And the kids, after Scott Ritzman's presentations, are heavily convicted, I have no self-control. I'm spending too much time on this thing. I need help. And the kids mustered the courage to tell their parents, I need help. And you know what the parents told them? I think you can handle it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. This precious child is reaching out for help because they realize they cannot control themselves with a device they never should have had at that age. Kids don't need cell phones. They should be with you or with people you know anyway. Kids don't need cell phones at that age, certainly not smartphones. There are so many things. This is the problem. Nefarious, immoral content, you don't have to go looking for it. It comes looking for you on these devices. You're on a news website and you end up somewhere else you never even thought you should have been. You think, what on earth just happened? Social media has all kinds of things that young, developing minds that are not in their mid to late teens are not prepared to handle and shouldn't be in a situation where they have to. But even if you have made good decisions, the truth of the matter is there's parents who don't think like you. And your kids may be around those parents and things can happen and I hate it. I don't like it. The average age of pornography exposure now, I believe, is around 10 or younger. First time that they encounter pornography. People in Silicon Valley who are tech leaders, Steve Jobs being one of the others, will not, they wouldn't have a device in their home for their kids. They didn't want their kids going to schools where technology was being used. And these are the people who are developing the devices that we're talking about today, they want nothing to do with it. So there are some things we need to think about that just because everyone else has them or whatever, it's a battle that can be fought and won with your kids. 
in a sense of explaining here are the reasons why, you can do that if we explain the whys. It's very, very difficult once they have to get through a process of getting rid of it. It's way harder. And some people are in those situations, and God can provide wisdom. I totally trust that he will do that. I do. But it's something that we have to keep in mind, that there are more principles involved there that just... I say this passionately because my innocence was stolen from me at the age of five. I saw things I never should have seen at the age of five, well before smartphones existed and other things, and children should not have to deal with that. They shouldn't. And even when we do the best that we can as parents, things can still happen. That's why it's so important for you, whenever we're talking about this topic and in general, we need to ensure that our lines of communication and trust are very open and free with our children. We should be the safest place on earth for our children. And if we don't have that, we need to be asking God, and we need to be searching our own hearts, and we need to be talking with our children about why, and find ways to repair those things now, because we can't control every exposure they have. I wish we could. We can't. And we have to teach them to self-govern along the way, but if they do encounter something that they don't know how to process or how to handle, they need to know that they can come to you so you can help them work through it. Does that make sense? And so the principles I've given are principles that are based upon best practices, personal experience, or whatever. There could be better counsel, maybe even the opposite counsel of what I'm giving you. I'm not Jesus. I'm not quoting from the Spirit of Prophecy in Scripture as far as some of the things I've given here, because we don't have a lot. We have principles. All that being said, when they should have access to some of these things, particularly smartphones and so forth, wait. Please. It's not, it's not going to make their life any better. It's a distraction. It hinders brain development. It's not, there's no benefit. There's zero benefit for them and only potential risk. They may be responsible, but there's still no benefit to them having it, right? They could be a unique individual that at their age, they, they wouldn't access bad things, blah, 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 blah. That's all well and good, but there's still no benefit for them having it. You understand? A smartphone, there just isn't. Um, and even the time that they have online, you should know what that looks like. You should. And, and they should know that that's the case, that you're not just creeping out from afar. Just tell them, here's the reasons why. It's not that I don't trust you. It does it for all of us, right? This thing's monitoring what all of us do. It's okay. But I just think that it's, it's too important. Uh, the innocence of a child is one of the most precious miracles of life and grace that exists. And the longer you can preserve that, the better. Um... Yeah. Are there any questions that we have on the topic? I, I, I intentionally took a rabbit trail because it applies to this, but it's something that's happening on such a large scale, I just can't not talk about it. Um, so, any questions you have on the topic of this social media thing in general uh, that we've dealt with today? These are just some examples. There's more that could be marshaled, but some examples of things that are being done well in Adventism you just kind of learn from, whether it be photography, video, and other things. Um, the Adventist Review is actually doing a great job on posting, too. We're getting tons of views from a demographic that most Adventist organizations can't touch um, by having the review online, by having ARTV and other things, uh, and how many visits we get to our website. We're doing fairly well. I mean, it's in the hundreds of thousands for followers on Adventist World and AR, uh, the Adventist Review, for sure. ARTV is a newer channel, so we haven't grown that as much yet. But... Um, that's been another success story that I've seen as far as getting access to people online with our message. And we just released a series called Digging Deeper that's going to be going all the way through the end of the year of unique Adventist beliefs where there's articles, 
podcasts, and video documentaries all being released. Uh, just AdventistReview.com slash Digging Deeper. That's another great asset, too. Uh, just with our message stuff you can share online that's helpful. Yes, Google the word ad blocker. There's a plugin you can get for your web browser. It's amazing. All those banners on the side of websites cease to exist, and they cease to exist within Facebook, too. Now, targeted ads when it comes to like videos from like Sprite or Coke or something else, I think those still show up, I think, but maybe those get blocked too. They don't, I, I don't have it for my phone, but for um, my web browser I do. It's called Ad Blocker. There's multiple versions. Um, do, what I would do, anytime you download a program for your computer, go do reviews on it first. Because sometimes you download a program that says it's going to help your computer, but then all of a sudden you get notifications every day to run this thing to clean your computer, and it just causes spam to get on there, especially if you have a PC. And I'm sorry if you own one. <laughs> but if you have a PC, then that's, it can be even more problematic. So do some reviews before you download any free software online because it can be a problem. She was second, and then I'll, I'll get to yours. Um, but does that answer your question? Okay. Yeah. Well, when, when you're on, it's a good question. When you're on Facebook, in your settings tab, you can choose where every post goes. So you don't generally choose post by post whether it's public or not. There's a general setting. Uh, and most of the time it's public. Uh, if you want it to be friends only. Yeah, it could be. And so just if you go, there's, there's like an arrow in the top right corner. You can click on that. There's like your picture, then there's an arrow under settings. I think it's like a gear maybe or something. It should be under privacy settings. And under privacy settings, and you can choose who sees every post you make. And so what I was talking about today was that outside of your normal setting, you can click on that little thing in the bottom and it'll say, who do you want this to go to specifically? Or who do you want to not be able to see it? So that's how it works. So mostly what you're posting is, if you just signed up for Facebook and did whatever the, the stock settings are, most likely everything you post is being seen by anyone. Most likely. And they have tutorials online you can go through for that too. Or I'm sure there's probably a young person you can grab hold of and they can help you. Uh, we, we all need interpreters and some different devices. So. Um, all right, well, hey, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this privilege to be able to serve you. Uh, I thank you that you care for each person in this room and that you are totally in favor of the preservation of innocence. I just pray that you would give each person here discernment to know how to best exemplify that and, and be a mentor that can allow for that. And I pray that you give us discernment on some principles and tools that we can employ uh, in the gospel work online. I pray that you'd bless everyone that's present, that you'd bless their sphere of influence, whether it be online or not, and that your will would reign supreme in their lives. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.